0: you're listening to another episode of classic movies live the pre-recorded show where we talk about movies that just came out and never has that been more true than today we when we are talking about jane campion's movie the power of the dog this movie literally just came out hopefully in the same week as this uh episode releases um So, yeah, it's very exciting. This is a movie starring Benedict Cumberbatch, Jesse Plemons, Kirsten Dunst, and Cody Smith-McPhee. It is getting a lot of buzz in film festival circuits. I think it won the Golden Lion at Venice. Uh, Don't quote me on that entirely, but uh, it did very well at a lot of film festivals. So... Uh, we're excited to talk about it and hopefully this will put a dent in our uh, talking about all of the best picture um, nominees for next year. So I'm going to uh, stop talking here in just a minute. There are spoilers in this episode, but we do give a spoiler warning. So, um, you know, if if that is worrisome, if, if it's worrisome for you that there's spoilers in this, m- maybe hold off. But like. There is a spoiler warning once we get into actually spoiling plot details. All right. So, with no further ado, let's hear some stuff from The Power of the Dog. You're listening to another episode of Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about movies that literally just came out. This movie, uh, as of the time that this comes out, we're gonna we're gonna edit this one really really fast because I'm pretty sure this movie like literally just came out right as uh, right as this episode comes out. We're talking about Power of the Dog today, um, Pierre. Uh, Power of the Dog you think this one is going to win all the awards because that's what I keep hearing.
1: Um, that's, that's a good question. I don't think so. I'm, I'm, I'm a little sad that, cause I thought it was going to be a, um, a very Oscar or a very good movie before seeing it. But I mean, um, I don't know, like it, I, I, I think it fulfills potentially a lot of the criteria for what the Oscars might in enjoy, uh, Nominating so it might have a lot of success in that sense um, But I didn't personally think it was like a great movie
0: I think this is um This movie has like I, I watched this one way way back at TIFF as well And then I just rewatched it And this movie like it has It has a lot going for it And it's also I'm not going to say really unique, but it's got like a pretty special style that is very different from what I would have expected. Um, and I think that like, uh, I I didn't see it originally because to me, like the first time I watched it and even the second time I watched it, nothing special stood out to me about the direction of this movie, like how it's directed. But uh, the more I think about it, I think that like, you really do see the director's choices in how this movie is. Um, how this movie sort of unfurls. Uh, the director being Jane Campion, who I don't know how familiar you are with her, Pierre, but I believe she was the first. Uh, I could be wrong. I believe she was the first woman nominated for the Academy Award for Best Director back in nineteen ninety-three for The Piano.
1: Um. Yeah. That, that, I've seen the piano. Um, which, yeah, that's
0: that's what I was trying yeah. to beat you into talking about.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've seen the piano. Um, from what I remember, it's a very like it's it's honestly pretty similar to the power of the dog. I didn't realize there was like because I, I honestly completely forgot about this movie until I I heard the name the piano. Um, yeah, it's like they're both um, they're both very slow movies. They're both period pieces, of, but feel like about the same time. And they kind of both deal with like um, toxic relationships and stuff like that. Um, so uh, yeah, and uh, I remember the piano being like, it, just, it was it was solid. It was it was like it was very interesting, I guess, but it wasn't like a invigorating movie, if that makes sense.
0: Well, what I'm interested in because I haven't seen The Piano yet, but what I found, and we'll get into like talking about what this movie is about pretty soon. But uh, unlike a lot of movies that I'm used to, I felt like the power of the dog, uh, it did have a plot, but that plot wasn't super important. Like it was much more important. The plot really was just like the relationship between the characters or the movie was just the relationship between the characters and the events that happen because of the way those relationships shake out. Like, It wasn't like there was. It really didn't seem like anyone had a specific goal that the movie was following. And I guess what I'm interested to know is, is that kind of the way the piano was as well? And also, does that even make sense?
1: Um, I don't know. Honestly, I just remember the piano was about uh, a woman in an abusive relationship, but she was only there because she was only there. She was only in that relationship, I think, because. Well, for her, I think she had a kid that Harvey Keitel, like Harvey Keitel was a richer person. So she did it for her Mm -hmm. kid and also gave her a chance to play the piano, which she really liked. And that was, and it was like her way of feeling free despite uh, being in a extremely toxic relationship and feeling imprisoned by it, I think. So... I and mean, when
0: you say playing the piano, you don't just mean playing the piano, you mean playing the piano, the titular
1: piano. Yes, the I piano believe, at the center of the movie. I believe it was the titular piano. Unless there was two. I have no idea uh, if I can remember that properly. But um, but yeah, anyways, I I think that it felt a little more purposeful. I think the power of the dog uh, feels very lost for like the first half of the movie. And then like, in the second half, when I think it it picks up a lot more in terms of like its themes and like plot, plot and character development, I think it's it still feels like kind of confusing because I feel like you're always expecting more, um, mm-hmm. because not enough was really set up in the first act of the movie to really feel like any of this is important to the movie, um, and that's what I yeah this movie just felt very uh, the power of the dog felt very it's kind of it was like wandering through his plot and it wasn't really um which i guess is like you know it's a style of a filmmaking that m- might have worked well for this but in my opinion it's not really my top cup of tea
0: you know what this movie reminded me of just a little bit not not completely but um just a little bit this movie reminded me of first cow which uh we talked about i guess last year almost a year ago now um Which, uh, for those that haven't heard our episode on First Cow, it's like this weird side story down in rural Oregon at the time of the gold rush. And like. It's it's like people are it's these two guys that are trying to milk a cow that they have no access to so that they can sell cake. And, like, it's barely a plot. Really, the point is, like, I mean, that one actually has, I would argue, a lot more urgency than the plot in this film. But, like, the main point of that movie, too, is it's a lot more meandering, and it's really about the relationships between the characters, which is, uh, like I said, it's not a one-to-one comparison with The Power of the Dog, but this movie did remind me a lot of first cow because it is also a movie that like the plot is secondary to what's actually going on in the movie i felt
1: yeah that's fair it it was uh i mean yeah well just based on like how minimal i guess the plot is you you can tell it was the director almost i feel like this Well, especially like given that I, i think she does a lot of period pieces it seems like she just loves maybe that aspect of the filmmaking a lot. Um, hmm. Like the telling story through set design and costume design, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I guess, well, have we even talked about the plot? Like, have we given a... No, a I was, I was a, actually a just summary?
0: gonna... I was actually just about to do that. The plot of this movie is... Um, this concerns... Oh, two brothers whose names I cannot remember. Uh, one of the, Well, I mean, they're Phil and George. I can't remember the last name. Um, but they're two brothers who are ranchers who I think they're both implied, it, not even just implied, maybe outwardly stated to be, uh, from a very well off family, but they, uh, became ranchers and they run a pretty successful ranch and, like, um, they have a bunch of lackeys basically. And George seems to be not super happy with like, like Phil really enjoys ranching, but George doesn't seem to enjoy it as much. But, uh, one day when they're celebrating, I don't know, a good year in ranching or something, they're celebrating something. Uh, I think 25 years of being the, of owning the ranch or something. Um, George meets a woman in town And they start sort of having a thing. And the movie is basically um, when that woman moves on to the ranch and like marries George, moves on to the ranch. And basically this movie is the woman whose name is Rose, her relationship with Phil, George's brother. And that's where most of the conflict in this movie comes from is like. It's just sort of what happens now that she's on the ranch and like, who is Phil as a person who is Rose as a person? What do they do when they're together? And Rose also has a child. So like her kid gets involved. It's hard for me to describe the some, the plot in much more detail than that, because I really don't think there is much more detail than that when it comes to the plot. Like we're going to talk a lot more details, But I really think that beyond what I've said, it all just comes down to, um, how the characters interact and who the characters are, which we're going to talk about anyway. Mm -hmm. Did I miss anything important?
1: That's basically it. (laughs) I wish we were missing something important, but (laughs) yeah, that's, that's all there really is. I mean, there's more stuff, I guess, technically, but like there's spoilers and they come in very late in the movie. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but, um. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess this was a. This was honestly kind of a stacked cast. Like on first glance, like got Benedict oh, yeah. Cumberbatch, um, Got our old pal Jesse, Jesse Plemons, Plemons, who I always love. Kristen Kirsten Dunst is in this yes. as well. Um, I want to say there's one, or maybe not. I can't think of anyone else that's really big in this movie. But
0: Cody Smith McPhee isn't isn't like a tiny tiny name,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but like he's mm-hmm. not exactly super big. Okay. Francis Conroy and Keith Carradine are in this as basically cameos, but like they were huge for a while. Oh, okay. I mean, you know, the eighties and the seventies mostly, but still.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't uh, What did you think of, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch who I guess, honestly, I think a big burden, the, the biggest burden of this movie goes to him, I guess in making. Yeah. It I
0: mean, like- he's, he's the star of this show and like, I thought it was a phenomenal performance. I think it's, um, It may be, it might be his best performance I've ever seen, personally. Because it's, first off, it's against type. Like, I've seen him as, like, you know, a snarky young up-and-comer or whatever. And I've seen him as a serious, uh, older person, I guess. Like, not older, really. Like, not in makeup or anything. But, uh, like, in 1917, he was the serious general who... Because he was older than the other, who than the main characters, he was, like, the guy in charge, basically. So, like, I've seen him in those roles, but I've never seen him play just, like, an absolutely insufferable insufferable son of a bitch, the way he plays in this. Like, he is one of the most hateable characters I've ever seen. Certainly ever seen recently. Uh, I just did not like him at all. But I loved seeing that, like he played this character as just the worst person and he played him so well.
1: Yeah, he is quite a rude fella, isn't he? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I remember I I read a bit about, um, I read some discussion on this and some people were saying that he was playing, it, it was odd casting because, yeah, it's supposed to be a really tough, tough, gritty character, um and Benedict Cumberbatch doesn't isn't the first name to come to mind when you think of characters like that, but um, I think he played it pretty well. I, I wouldn't say I was, like, enamored by his performance. Um, I'm
0: not gonna say no one else could have given that could have, like, played that character, but with how, I mean, with with how much I've, how, with how well I thought Benedict Cumberbatch did in that role, I cannot personally imagine anyone else in that role.
1: That's fair. I think this was a pretty tough character to pull off mm-hmm. just from like because there was a big sense of you know he, he's a very uh, uh like general alpha male character at first um but he does need to show a certain sense of vulnerability so that stuff in the third act makes more sense um and ties mm-hmm. in because he's a lot deeper of a character than uh, you would assume i guess um but yeah i i just um I don't know, I don't think he was I, the plot gave him enough for me to really get into it. I thought I thought he did a really good job I guess in like the the last third of the movie when his character arc like actually starts to make sense and like does stuff. Mm-hmm. Um but before that I wasn't really feeling it that much. Um and that but I mean that's also just based on how the role has to be played. So
0: Yeah. I don't know. I think he stole the show from me. So I don't know if I can fully agree that uh, everything picks up like that. I didn't like him that much before the third act. That's not exactly what you were saying. Mm. But like, I really liked him throughout the whole thing. I thought that like, as much as I just hated his character as a person, I thought that like, anytime he was on screen was the parts of the movie that I was really enjoying. Like, he's, he's so mean in such creative ways and like i guess like not creative in that he goes out of his way to like think of extreme like effortlessly creative i guess because mm-hmm. like there's a scene where uh there's a scene where kirsten dunst's character rose is trying to play the piano and she's not she is very out of practice so she's trying to play the piano and And he just comes down and plays exactly what she's playing on the piano on his banjo flawlessly and Mm. has, like, no emotion on his face and just, like, basically runs her out of the room. And, like, it's no words are exchanged. It's literally just him on a banjo and her on the piano. But it's so, like, heartbreakingly mean to her character. And he terrorizes her with that throughout the rest of the movie by just, like... She has this extremely simple melody that she's trying to play on the piano, and she can't quite get it right. He memorizes that and he whistles it nonstop for the rest of the movie <laughs>
1: yeah he, he he's very lots I think that's part of why I didn't like it. He's just he's extremely spiteful, specifically of Kristen yeah. Dunst, and not, well, actually not just her, but like at the start when he he's introduced to her son, he is also very mean for no reason um mm-hmm which later makes sense, but um, yeah, I, I, it was, uh, I mean, I, I I did like their, the way they played off each other. I think yeah. um, their, 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 their lack of chemistry, their chemistry in a, like a negative way was like actually pretty cool. Um, I was
0: actually ex- about to say exactly that. It's so weird to say this about characters about like a performance where the two actors, characters, hate each other so much that they like never want to see each other but their chemistry was
1: phenomenal mm-hmm, yeah I honestly thought they were gonna uh fall in love and <laughs> I thought that was the plot honestly um I was wrong <laughs> I don't know if that's a spoiler but <laughs> I was wrong um but yeah so uh Pearson Dunst was was solid I I was really disappointed I think Jesse Plemons is I'm very honestly very excited every time I see Jesse Plemons credited a movie but like the last three performances I've seen performances I've seen from him weren't bad but he just wasn't really given much to do uh last three would being this and then Jungle Cruise um there was one before what's that
0: I'm think I'm thinking of Ending Things
1: oh that too I actually liked him yeah. in that one um oh, okay there was a different one the one with a uh, the Spike Lee one I think what was it no, not Spike Lee. no.
0: Um, oh, I know what you're talking about. Judas and the Black Messiah. Yes,
1: Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, I was disappointed yeah. with him in that too.
0: I think that uh the last couple of roles that Jesse Plemons has been getting, he's playing a supporting character in every like sense of the word. Mm-hmm. Because his main role in this movie, as it was in, in my opinion, in I'm Thinking of Ending Things, but I also I also really liked him in that. Uh, he exists to make the main character's performance shine more. Because, like, I think that his character in this movie is actually really interesting. There's a lot that... This movie has, like... It's, it's weird. Because, you know, we'll always talk about uh we'll always talk about like show don't tell, right? Mm-hmm. And this movie does a lot of telling. But what I find that this movie does really interestingly is, I mean, first off, it it does show more than it tells. like it, it's very good at that. So I don't want to say that it's like telling rather than showing, but it does say like there is a lot of exposition just told to us. But what I find even more interesting is with this movie, there's a lot of there's a lot of exposition that um, is like conveyed, but it's specifically not told to us. Like, for example, after watching this movie, uh, Jesse Plemons' character is potential is probably the reason they got into ranching in the first place because. I believe that him and Benedict Cumberbatch's character. So Phil and George were both trust fund babies, basically that went to a good university, but George didn't make it because he's not a good student. Uh, Meanwhile, I'm pretty sure it's never told to us exactly, but I'm pretty sure that Phil is like really, really smart and could have been an academic if he wanted to be uh, in specifically like natural sciences. Mm. But because George couldn't make it at university and Phil, like, is, you know, wants to support his little brother, I think, he they they both dropped out and they found, like, this rancher who will become important later, Bronco Henry, and they, like, um, and they learned how to ranch from him and ended up taking over his ranch with the rest of the university money. And that's the reason that, like, They always have to stay in contact with their parents because Phil is kind of the rebel, but he's actually really, really smart and good at what he does. George is mama's boy, but he's also really bad at just about everything (laughs) he does. And he's overly sentimental and like he just doesn't I don't know that necessarily he doesn't know what he wants to do in life, but he seems to have not found the right thing yet. And. None of that is told to us in conversation. That's what I've inferred from conversations that are in the movie. And I think that even if I'm entirely wrong about that, it's super interesting the way that this movie conveys its information to where, you know, I could be entirely wrong about that. Like I said, I really don't think I am. I think I'm getting the right, I think I'm getting like 60 to 70% of that right, at least.
1: Yeah, well, honestly, like, I do admire this movie for the lack of—I I, don't—I can't think of any exposition scenes, at least blatant exposition scenes in the movie. So I guess that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, especially like, well, I guess like the end, even the ending—I had to. I mean, I'm, it might be just because I'm stupid, but I had to read through the plot <laughs> of the ending on Wikipedia so I could understand what went on there. Because I initially thought one thing, but I was wrong. Um,
0: on my first watch through I got it when when they hit the end but like I hadn't I on my second watch through I could piece I figured out where all the things were where I could piece it together mm. myself or I could have pieced it together myself. It didn't exactly come out of nowhere the ending but it's subtle. Like when you get to the end and they say what happened even though it's not spelled out for you in detail it's like oh I get it. But if you are paying attention and you know what to look for before that, you can figure out the ending. It's all there. Yeah. It's just very subtle.
1: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's honestly pretty admirable to, to try that out and um, expect audiences to uh, understand it. So, yeah, because I think without understanding it, it, it's a it's a bad ending. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, if you don't understand what happened there. So, yeah, that is cool. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. This It's just... I don't have much more else to say, honestly. Like I, it's a pretty, it's a pretty movie. It's uh, like cinematography solid. I, it does feel a little Netflixy. I don't know if that's just in my head because everything Netflix makes is made a certain way. Like you can like it has a, the Netflix look, maybe.
0: I'm I'm curious to know. If, if you're able to, how would you describe that? Because I also think it it seems Netflixy, but I'm pretty sure that my that the reason I think it's Netflixy is different from the reason you do.
1: Um, see, I honestly, I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you. I, I might just be it might just be me knowing it's a Netflix movie. It, it's already in my head, but like I thought for the most part it looked like good. like it, it was a pretty movie. Maybe the colors feel a little muted um but usually i remember it's the what well i know wait for dramas i think they add a little gray like they make things a little more stale uh and then for comedies they make things a little too bright if that makes sense they overexpose mm. it um but i mean that's just a normal thing for any movie so i think i'm just overreading into it
0: um, for me, this reminded me of. Do you remember when we did our review of *The Five Bloods* and we mm. like were talking about directors with basically unchecked vision?
1: Mm-hmm, yeah,
0: this to me felt like that, and that's why I think it's Netflixy. Although it didn't bother me as much as it did in something like *Mank* or *The Five Bloods*, because. uh In this case, like, the the reason I say that this reminded me of, like, that unchecked vision, this feels like a movie that Jane Campion really wanted to make. But then as you've already stated, and as I would agree, this movie is pretty slow. And I don't know how big of an audience it would draw if this was just, like, commercially released. And because I can't, I don't know about that, I don't know, like what major studio would produce this movie however netflix knowing that jane campion is a pretty widely acclaimed director at least for her earlier work and i mean not for not not for her newer stuff just she is a well-known and well like liked director throws money at her i don't know if this is a netflix produced movie or if they just acquired it but like Uh, this feels like Jane Campion was allowed to make the movie that she wanted to make. Despite that movie, I don't think being like something, this didn't feel like it had a lot of studio interference in it. And it does to me feel like a movie that depending on the studio, a studio might actively dislike or like need it to be, uh, you know, a little more exciting or something.
1: Yeah. Does that make sense? No, it does. I Netflix is allows directors to do things like that, and I think that is unfortunate. Um, But also, from what I remember of the piano, I think this is par for the course for her. So, Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. But yeah, either way. Like
0: I said, it didn't bother me as much, but that's because I didn't really hate this movie the way that I like really didn't really hated Mank. Yeah, yeah. Like this feels like. I guess, like, it feels like a movie that she really wanted to make. But as you said, it also feels like movies she's already made. Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, where with Mank, yeah, it was a movie David Fincher really wanted to make, but it doesn't have any of the signature cool David Fincher stuff. So it's weird to see, like, his unchecked vision be so different and in bad ways from his checked vision if that makes sense
1: i think so well i I just i think with fincher it's well first of all i think he mm, we have certain expectations for him Mm -hmm. um because and because of how much we've seen when netflix gives him that much creative freedom it almost feels like a different style or maybe it's because He's willing to take more risks and try a completely different style because, in this case, he doesn't have to worry about box office and stuff mm-hmm. like that, right? So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess, yeah, we've talked about it before, but I'm happy Netflix provides these opportunities. I think for a movie like this, I appreciate it more, um, just because I wasn't. I wouldn't have seen this if it wasn't for Netflix. You know, I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a case, like one of the big directors and it's a movie I would see in theaters. Um, it, it, I think it is disappointing. Yeah. When you hype yourself up for it.
0: Um, I did have one other thing I wanted to talk about on this movie, unless did, did you say you were kind of winding down earlier? Yeah, I don't
1: have much to say.
0: I am curious as to like, what are your thoughts on the themes of this movie? And I guess like we haven't, Talked about specifically what the themes are. So what do you think the themes are of this movie?
1: Um, I'd say it's a lot of... Basically, like... like there's, ah, damn, that's a good question. Now that I think about it. Because I, I think there's themes of... You know, repressing who you are and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also it almost punishes those same themes, right? Because it, it's, yeah, well, wait, are we, can we just talk about spoilers? Like, I, yeah, it's really I'm, hard I'm for me to talk about it.
0: Yeah, right here, this is your last spoiler warning. So spoiler warning right here. And go ahead.
1: Yeah, well, right. so like, at first, at least once the third act starts, and it feels like it's aiming to be a story about self-acceptance and forbidden love, And, um, yeah, it, it kind of turns more into a revenge story, protecting the ones you love, if that makes sense. Um, Mm -hmm. because when, what's his, is it, is it Phil? No, Phil's the Benedict Cumberbatch, right?
0: Phil is Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, like um, Carl or
1: something, or I don't know.
0: Something. Let me check. Let me, let me check while you uh, continue what you were talking. The
1: kid in the movie we are assuming, or at least I, I am assuming from what the the movie provided us is gay, and Peter. Peter, uh, I'm assuming Peter is gay, and then based off that, the movie was looking to, to to be talking about like the um, like being gay at that time and like finding relationships in places you didn't think you would because it was such a forbidden uh, or such so taboo and you could never be really tough to find people that were interested in the same things as you right um but then it turns into the whole re- like the revenge story of Peter protecting his mom basically um from alcoholism and depression uh, that was caused by by Phil so so then it's almost like <laughs> it's you shouldn't reveal who you are because like Phil Phil was basically punished for... Opening up and trusting someone, which is like I guess a classic movie character arc, but in this case it's not a good character arc for him because he he has been deemed irredeemable by Peter I guess so I don't really know what it's trying to say I guess I guess the themes are similar or the same but I don't know what the if those themes actually pan out
0: I'm gonna keep referring to old episodes remember the devil all the time yes this is thematically. In my opinion, the same movie, but done less overtly. Like, The Devil All the Time is a movie about a bunch of people who are all victims of their various circumstances that, like, basically can't escape the point that they've gotten to in their lives. And this is essentially the same movie. it's just doesn't have a happy ending. Not that The Devil All the Time had a really happy ending, but it sort of ends on a hopeful note for Tom Holland's character. Mm-hmm. But this one, like, this ends in a really depressing way, kind of for everyone. And I think that um, it's a little, it's interesting because this isn't a movie where the world beats everyone down. It's a movie where, like, the four main characters uh, collaborate with each other to beat each other down. Like like every single character in this movie is repressed in a different way. Phil is uh I don't remember if you said this. He is probably a he's he's almost certainly a gay man who like and like he's never been able to express that. And more importantly, like he has ex- he has like uh residual affection for Bronco Henry which because we never see Bronco Henry, I have no idea if that was actually requited or not or anything like that. But clearly he was like very deeply in love with Bronco Henry, but Bronco Henry has been dead for 25 years. um, And like, he can't ever show that side of himself to anyone else, which is part of why he hangs on to the relationships he has so much because he's got all his minions and he like has to be the boss of them. And so he'll hang on to those and he's, Even early on, it feels to me like the reason he lashes out so much against Rose when Rose marries George, his brother, is that he doesn't want to lose his brother. And he, like, every single conversation with his brother, he's either insulting him, recalling the past extremely fondly, or both, usually both. Um, And, like, that weighs really heavy on George, who, if I was right about my interpreting the plot earlier on has kind of always been a failure his entire life and just like, can't find his place in the world and is just eclipsed by Phil in everything he does because Phil is the brother who can actually do things better than the other brother. Um, And so like George just doesn't really know what his place in the world is and can't find it. Rose, uh, like, and so george sort of not lashes out but sort of projects himself onto rose who is a widow of a doctor but like because she's a woman growing up in ni- or not growing up a woman in 1925 uh she doesn't with with a child who's like uh pretty old she doesn't have the she doesn't have the ability to um sort of step out and do much with her life beyond, you know, making sure that she can provide for this kid now that her husband is no longer around. So she marries George and then George basically like, because he's projecting so hard, he sort of like has this image of who he wants Rose to be. And he just expects her to be that person, which who Rose cannot be like, she isn't really good at the piano the way that George thinks he thinks she is. She, like, is just on, she, George isn't around, she's on the ranch all the time, but, like, she, you know, George doesn't give her any direction, and she doesn't know what to do on this ranch, so she just sort of sits around, gets bullied by Phil, and starts drinking, uh, and because, like, she gets herself into these bad, into this bad situation, her, um, son, who already doesn't like Phil because Phil bullies him the, from the moment they meet each other, uh, tries to basically avenge avenge her by trying to get back at Phil, which forms the the closest thing this movie has to a real plot. Um, and because he's so devoted to that revenge plot basically, he devotes himself entirely to being a doctor which doesn't really allow him any personality outside of this revenge plot. So, you know, he is an, he is entirely a victim of these three people's feud that he really doesn't even need to involve himself in. So, uh, that's a long winded way of me saying like, this is similar to the devil all the time. like, Everyone in this movie is a victim of circumstance, but unlike the devil all the time, like most of the people in that movie, the devil all the time are victims of the fact that they live where they live. And like, those are the options available to them in this one. Every single person is like directly affecting what options every single other person has. And it ends up being this kind of depressing story about four people who like won't leave each other the hell alone.
1: Yeah, that sounds about right. Anyway, <laughs> I, don't I know, think that's really interesting. I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> that was that was that was actually a very good interpret. Like some somewhat, how do I say this? Summary of the of of the themes for sure, and I guess helps highlight what I guess what makes that the movie like. Uh, Eric, it's what gives the movie focus because, like you, we said earlier, it's not really about the plot as much as it is about the characters and mm-hmm. the themes you stated. Um, and if you appreciate those, I think the movie, I guess, does become a lot more powerful for you. So yeah.
0: I mean, the thing that really sticks out, the scene that sticks out to me is late into the movie, there's a scene where some local, uh, some local Native Americans come to try and buy hides. And apparently they do this a lot because they're, you know, Phil and George are ranchers. They should be selling hides, right? Or at the very least, they like... They, they, like, tan these hides and get them ready, but then they never sell them. Um, and, like, the natives come by and they ask to buy the hides and the maid goes out and just shoes them away. But then when Rose finds out that the natives want to buy these hides, and by selling the hides to the natives, she can really piss off Phil. Like, just ruin not only his day, but his entire month she goes out of her way to like run them down and be like hey take all of our hides for free don't even pay me just take these hides and like one of the that that forms like the big conflict where the entire ending happens like uh that is a huge huge moment in the movie and that move and that moment is like one person goes out of her way to interact with people who have so far not even been in the movie so that she can piss off another main character. Like at, when you, when you really look at what's happening, it's such a small detail. And yet that is what, that's the straw that breaks the camel's back and like really gets the movie swinging at the end. And like, it's interesting to me because I mean, that's a detail that, in a different movie, even in like the devil all the time, the final confrontation is really, really built up to. And like the final confrontation is one character confronting another character in this one, the like final confrontation or like the final, the climax of the movie. Yes. It's built up to, but not directly. Like it's, it only works because of the way that these relationships between the characters have panned out. And like, the way that, um, you know, ultimately it's two characters interacting through a third party who hasn't even been in the movie up until this point and is only actually in the movie for like three minutes. It's weird to me, like, but it's super interesting because it's something that I don't see in a lot of movies. And the more I talk about this movie, the more I guess I like it because it's just really interesting. It really is something that like, as much as I didn't find this super fun to watch and like I've now seen it twice, I do not think I'm going to see it a third time, but it is very interesting. Like it's a movie that's pretty unlike other movies that I've seen before and definitely unlike anything I've seen this year, which I don't know, that might not be saying too much, but like it is, it is an interesting movie.
1: What would you give it for being interesting despite boring then?
0: You mean like as a score? Yeah. I'd give it, like, a really, really, really good seven.
1: Mm, I would say maybe, like, a six for me. Like, it's, it's a well-made movie for sure. Um, lots of themes in there. I just, it's, yeah, it's not really my style of movie. And I think you could have tightened this up a lot. Um, and maybe given, like, some of the other characters more of a role, uh, it would have been a lot better.
0: Yeah, for me, like it's a it's a good seven with the caveat that I am probably not likely to watch this movie again anytime soon. Mm. Not because it's like really upsetting, just because it is really slow, and that makes the movie pretty kind of a slog to get through. Honestly, yeah. But um, yeah, I that that's what I would probably give it.
1: Sounds good. All Uh, right. Um well that's the power of the dog.
0: And we're gonna keep trying to predict the entire best picture lineup so that we don't have to do like a million episodes right at the end. Uh Pierre, what do you think about Belfast next time?
1: Uh I'm excited for Belfast. It's a Robert wait, what's his name? Kenneth Branagh movie. So <laughs> I'm always Robert explaining? from Kenneth I don't Branagh. Know. <laughs> I try Kenneth
0: Branagh, famed director of Thor. I'm excited.
1: Well, we'll see you next time. Jeff, what's the last word?
0: Uh, Thor. Whoa. The Dark World.